0: Well, my name is Jolene Erlacher. That helps me get a little sense. Um, And just a little bit about me, how I actually ended up talking about this topic. I uh, was a missionary kid, grew up on the mission field, and then worked at North Central University for almost a decade. And while I was there, I really became interested in generational dynamics. Young people, how they differ from older people, how their needs and expectations were changing. And so I did a bunch of research on that, wrote a book on that. And then when my military husband took me away from North Central and the best job in the whole world, I was teasing about that. Um, we uh, moved to North Carolina most recently, and um, I've been writing and speaking on this topic ever since, just generations. So millennials are really the first generation that grabbed my heart, which millennials are roughly... 18 to 35 right now. Then you have Generation Z coming up behind them, which is roughly 4 to 5 to about 18 to 20, okay? So they're kind of our kids and teenagers. And then I have three-year-old twins who are, you know, Generation Alpha, that next generation that's coming up. And in my next session, I'll talk more in depth as to why um, Millennials, Generation Z, and the following generations are so different from older generations. That's truly not just a generational gap, but it's a cross-cultural gap. There's really a different worldview and perspective that's emerging. Um, But here I want to kind of provide some of the nitty-gritty of needs and expectations, uh, especially when we're trying to recruit these millennials into our ministries, right? Uh, Because it can be really, really hard. So let's go ahead and open in prayer and then we'll jump in. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to discuss and to learn and to engage in this topic. Lord, we thank you for how you design each generation for a divine purpose. And we just pray, God, that as we discuss this topic right now, that you would just give us specific and divine insight into our particular context, that, God, you would give us strategies um, and just a heart to engage uh, each generation as they need. And, Lord, may you just equip um, the next generation for effective leadership, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, I also posted up here, I was supposed to, I don't have an announcer, so I was supposed to announce how to contact me. So here's my contact information if you're interested. Um, So how to engage millennials as leaders. So here uh, is a little bit of the breakdown. Okay, so we kind of, I kind of already reviewed this, but. Essentially, what has happened is right here around when millennials began to be born in the 1980s, is several things happened that were really significant. We had parenting trends that changed, okay, where we went kind of to really focusing on self-esteem and building kids' confidences. A uh, confidence. We also had um, technology begin to develop in the you know late 80s, early 90s, and so it began to affect. People being born in the 80s, once they got into their teen years. uh, We had globalization was happening. And then we had postmodernism kind of start to take root in popular culture with a lot of its ideas. So really, while all generations have unique qualities about them, millennials and younger generations have some really unique qualities about them. And that makes them a little bit different when we look at employing them, when we look at ministering to them, and when we look at recruiting them as volunteers. It kind of requires some different strategies. Than uh, previous uh, generations. So let's just, I'm going to just highlight a couple of statistics to give us some framework. 91% of millennial employees don't expect to stay more than three years at any given job. Um, Some numbers even place that lower. How long they do stay is even shorter than what they expect to stay. So when you think about building a ministry, okay, a job actually does what? pays the money. <laughs> okay. So there's some incentive there, because most of them want a roof over their head, a car, mostly want to be able to pay their cell phone bill. But they, want, they need money, right? Okay? But when you think about they're only committing up to three years to a job, uh, to then think about trying to get them to make a commitment to a volunteer position becomes even more challenging. Uh, in 2015, bo- baby boomers were no longer the majority of the workforce. So as of right now, millennials are the majority of the workforce which means they're also the majority of our volunteer pool when we're looking at recruiting people. And so um, you have more boomers who are retiring, and maybe their lives are getting busy um, with other things. And so as boomers begin to retire or maybe not involved in the same ways, if we don't find ways to engage millennials, we're going to be short. And that's, this is what corporations, workplaces are also experiencing, um, but it is especially relevant when you're looking at volunteers. Millennials choose their leaders based on whether or not they earn their respect and trust, okay? So here's a couple of things um, about millennials that are different than older people is often older people will do something because they believe in the cause, okay? The organization, the mission, which millennials do want to do that too, but they're going to engage when they see that there's someone, a person, who they believe in. So, as leaders, one of the number one things we have to be thinking about as we're looking to engage millennials is, are we the type of leader, and are we leading in ways that millennials want to follow? Which is often different than what older generations are looking for. Millennials often experience decision paralysis because of the plethora of opportunities available to them. So... When you think about just how the world has emerged, you know, back in the day, if you graduated from college, you usually looked at, you know, the colleges that you knew someone who had gone to or that was maybe down the road from your house, okay? Or you maybe joined the activities that were right in your community, uh, down the, you know, what your school offered. You made choices based on proximity. And now with the Internet and the way that the world is functioning, you can look at when you search, um, you know, I work with missions agencies, and they're struggling to recruit millennials because when a millennial wants to go into missions, they search missions opportunities and they get about 40 pages, right, of organizations. Versus my parents who went to the mission field and they just went with the organization that, was the, that the missionary who had come through and speak, spoken at their church belonged to, right? That was the only connection they had. They couldn't go Google missions agencies, okay? So as a result, millennials, all of us, but specifically, millennials, when we're looking at recruitment, have so many opportunities at their fingertips. When they're looking at, I have, you know, five hours to volunteer in a week or in a month, and they're searching volunteer opportunities, I mean, the local church is where we just naturally went to plug in. We would volunteer at our school or at our church. Well, now there are. 25, probably, organizations that they could volunteer at within a five-mile radius, and they all have online applications waiting for them to plug in. The hospital, the schools, the nonprofits, the local food shelf you know, all these things, and they're aware of all these things. So often what happens is they feel like, if I commit to working with you, Amy, now all of a sudden I've removed any opportunity to work with Rusty. So if Rusty needs me, but I've already told you I'm going to work for you, I have to say no to Rusty, but he really needs help. Okay, so there becomes this decision paralysis where it becomes really hard for them to commit to any opportunity. Does that make sense? So it's just too many choices. Millennials avoid making long-term commitments because of volatile schedules, uncertain future, desire to prioritize relationships, and to allow for other possibilities. So um, we often hear young people discussed as being uncommitted or not dedicated, Okay, And these are the reasons why. Um, Part of it is that allowing for other possibilities, that decision paralysis with so many opportunities available. Another one is a desire to prioritize relationships. So relationships are of utmost value to young adults. People trump programs, right? They're going to go for people over programs. So if they've committed to a program, helping a program, and someone that they know needs or wants them, they now have to prioritize a program over a person. And that is a conflict um, of interest for them. And so they want to make sure that they have flexibility in their lives to prioritize relationships. Um, on future, this is a big one. Okay, I, I was working with an organization last week, and they asked young employees to commit for a certain number of years. And I was like, you, you've got to stop doing that. Because they don't, the, world, the way the world could look in three years could be drastically different. Than it looks right now, we could have another economic recession. We could have a terrorist attack. Bernie Sanders could be president. You know, we have no idea <laughs> what could happen, right? And millennials are used to the world changing. They had an idea of what they were going to do. They went to college. Two thousand and eight happened. You know, and so and they've watched the world change very rapidly at a moment's notice because of something happening. And so, to commit to two or three years to something, or even a year or six months, can feel very. Um, very scary to them because they feel like the, the world is very uncertain. And they have very volatile schedules. Okay. And again, part of that is that technology. So, you know, if someone texts them an opportunity, hey, we decided to have a party tonight. Ah, I committed to helping youth group. Why did I do that, right? Because they don't plan their schedules months in advance. They very much are responsive to the opportunities that rise in the moment. So someone you know, texts them or they see something on Facebook or someone posts something on Instagram, they're going to respond to those things. So this makes it really hard, because what do we want in volunteers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We want people who are committed. So when we have these dynamics, everything about how millennials function make it challenging to recruit them as volunteers. OK, you can't see this very well. Um, I use this a lot when I talk about millennials. Um, and actually, what I'm going to do is, this chart is actually in my book. So I'm going to give away one of my books. I'm just going to pass this around. If you want to get entered in the drawing, just throw in a business card or your name and email, and I'll add you to my email list. And then I'll do a drawing for a free book at the end. But I talk about this in depth in there. And what we have to realize is that when we're recruiting volunteers, we talk about different types of leadership and the needs and expectations that they bring into leadership context. We want to make sure that we're leading in ways that are millennial friendly, okay? Because that's the first thing we have to make sure we're doing, leading in ways that are millennial friendly. Because while it's hard for them to make a commitment, it's much easier for them to make a commitment to a person uh, that they can connect with and that they believe in. So first of all, often we've run ministries and churches as businesses versus as families. And so even when you think about like church titles, associate pastor and those types of things and having people sign, you know, (laughs) agreements and all these things that they feel very business-like, versus just having church function as a family. As a result, leaders within ministry context often function as bosses, right? We have strategic planning meetings and we have task lists and we have job descriptions and we have a lot of things that sound a lot like work. And not a lot like family, <laughs> okay? So why would I want to volunteer to do some of those things, okay? So leaders, while we do have to function as bosses, as ministry leaders in some senses, we need to make sure we're also functioning as parents or as friends. And this can seem counterintuitive because you're kind of like, well, parents shouldn't be friends. Well, parents have been friends, okay? Okay. So the way we've parented kids in the recent past, not all of us, but in our society in general, is we've parented as friends. So they expect bosses to have some element of that parental-friendly element. Uh, We often focus on presentation formality versus intimacy and informality. Um, which kind of ties into programs and people, okay? So we can get very focused on our program going exactly the way we want it, the presentation being perfect, everything being smooth, and we need all the volunteers on board, and we're going to do this with excellence, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes what we do is we promote excellence and that presentation formality to the expense of people, right? We're twisting people's arms to get them to make the program come out right. So sometimes we have to reconsider, is the program uh, exactly, is it okay to give up a little bit of the formality or the perfection of the program in order to make sure we're serving our volunteers well? So finding ways to communicate that our volunteers are as important as the program. Success, how we measure success in ministry. Often we've measured success as numbers, okay? Number of bodies, number of members, numbers of buildings, numbers of budgets, numbers of tasks accomplished, the how much time, the number of hours (laughs) that you've put in as a volunteer, okay? The person who came early, left late, the person who was dressed the part, right? All of those things. And many millennials are... Uh, measuring ministry success by spiritual personal growth, community relationships, service, and outreach. So they're not as concerned usually with, do we have 50 kids in the youth group? But did I have a really meaningful conversation with one of those 50? Okay, and to them, that's success. And if they don't happen to show up to be a greeter on the night you need them to be the greeter because they were at the coffee shop having a great conversation with someone... To them, that's more successful ministry than showing up, right? Okay, So it's how they measure success. So understanding that we may need to communicate in different ways what we're looking for and how we're measuring success. Traditionally, we've put ministry and in the workplace job first over family and life, right? Millennials are not doing that. Life and family are first. And so often you will get a text message or a phone call the night before. Hey, my mom is sick, and so I'm going to take her soup tomorrow. I'm not coming to church, <laughs> okay? It's just the way they're going to function, and in some ways, what we have to realize is there is some beauty in that, right? There is some beauty in saying taking mom's soup is more important than coming and I don't know, handing out programs as people walking to church, okay? Now, if it's your sound guy, that really becomes a crisis, okay? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, Understanding that there is some beauty in the way that they prioritize, even though it's very, very frustrating when it comes to managing volunteers. Okay, questions on any of this? Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's like it took two or three weeks for this logo to come across or I yep. feel
1: like I was bugging her but I'm just going to say she, she yep. doesn't come
0: across but how do you know they're going to follow through you don't <laughs> <laughs> okay okay here's, here's a, okay so let's we're going to get into this okay great question let's come back to that okay the follow through let's come back to the follow through other questions or comments yeah
2: Mm-hmm. We don't really have any 18-year-olds, so how? And we are struggling with like getting mm-hmm. people to volunteer. We created a servant team. People said they were going to do stuff, and we asked for like six months to mm-hmm. do You know, because I am a millennial. I love mm-hmm. things. I don't always love being in leadership. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm true. laughs> I've been voluntold. I use yep. that word a lot. <laughs> The street or from mm-hmm. elsewhere, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and transitions happen. Different people are being called other places. Mm-hmm. So the lack of drive, I guess, mm-hmm. desire is an mm-hmm. issue. Like mm-hmm. you said. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I am a millennial, and I'm still running a millennial. Oh yeah. <laughs> but and. You have, drive. <coughs> you have drive. My husband. has, drive. <laughs> My husband has go into our lap as transitions happen
0: with leadership. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of millennials, I mean, there's, so, there's a number of you in the room, but a lot of the millennials that I talk to, and I have three siblings who are millennials and in leadership, and millennials are frustrated with millennials. So yeah. it's, you know, I mean, my sister, who is a missionary, will re- refuses to fundraise with millennials. She's like, they're a waste of my time and energy. She's like I can't afford it. I can't afford it literally. She's like not not a waste of time and energy and that they're not valuable but she's like I cannot afford it as a missionary. Because they, they want to talk with me and bond with me, but they don't want to give to me. And I, I don't have money. <laughs> so I can't, I don't have time to buy a coffee with you when you make me pay for my own coffee. I don't have money, you know? So <laughs> um, so millennials across the board are, are frustrated with some of these dynamics, you know? So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see as millennials take, more and more take leadership positions um, or don't take leadership positions yeah. and we don't have a succession plan, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah. We're in the
2: situation where some of us have caught the vision,
0: have mm-hmm. taken ownership of mm-hmm. a ministry
2: mm-hmm. because we believe in it, yep. and then
0: we've got,
2: yep. I'll say the tricky word of like pew sitters, you know, yep. Yep. Like, who have been in ministries before and volunteered and stuff, mm-hmm. but we all get burned out because mm-hmm. my husband and I just stepped down for Duke from doing BGMC once mm-hmm. a month
0: kids
2: because mm-hmm. like we're running our own ministry mm-hmm. we have a one-year-old
0: yeah. and yep. you know okay yep. <laughs> so here's here's a couple of things to keep in mind. Part of what's happening, I was just talking to someone in the last workshop I did who's just I mean it is frustrating because here's what's happening. Okay, in the next workshop we'll talk about this more but we're undergoing a major cultural shift in our in our culture. Okay. And what what is happening right now is we're in the middle of the earthquake. Okay? The plates are shifting. Okay? So we know what everything was before, but we can't even really start rebuilding yet. You know what I mean? Okay, so after an earthquake, you can start rebuilding, and often you actually build things better than they were before. But we can't even start, it's really hard to even start building right now because the plates are still moving. Okay? So someone was just asking me earlier, like, how to restructure a ministry for, for millennia. I'm like, you can't. We just gotta keep trying things and doing what we can because as soon as you get something that works, it's gonna change. Okay, because it's it's shaking. Okay, but, but that means you still have to like hold on to something, you still have to seek cover, you still have to try to help people, you know, you can't just like I mean you can't just hide. So the earthquake will stop to some extent, but we're in the middle of it still, okay? So we don't know what's gonna completely happen once millennials do take primarily our leadership roles. And, um, some, and they're making more decisions and making, calling the shots, okay? So in the meantime, we kind of have to just figure out what is, can work. And some of it is just calling multiple people, you know? Okay, someone, you give me your card, okay, just keep pestering people, okay? Hoping someone's going to follow through. There is an element of that. But a couple things. One, millennials are not committing to organizations, they do not believe in organizations and institutions the way that we did, okay? They don't believe in political parties. They don't believe in you know, uh, many things because they've seen organizations fail. So whereas previous generations, we viewed organizations as a vehicle to accomplish something. We believed in mission statements and we believed in goals and all these things. We saw them as a way to accomplish something, including the organization of the church or the institution of the church. Millennials have seen moral failures, Corruption, economic corruption. They've seen all these things. They've seen organizations that have gone bogged down and red tape and aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They don't believe in organizations as the best way to accomplish things. They believe in people as the best way to accomplish things. That's why they commit to a leader, but they don't commit to a program. And so one of the difficulties that we're having when you're trying to build a young adults ministry is they're not going to commit the ministry itself to, to once you even establish a structure of any type is now an organization, okay, and they rile against that. I mean, maybe not overtly, but in their soul they do, okay, and so it's very hard because they don't commit to those things, and if another opportunity arises, they're not committed to you. they're, They're not attending membership classes. They're not signing on the dotted lines the way that other generations did, and so it's really hard. So here's one of my things in the midst of that then is I I have another session that I do that's called the season of the remnant. And what I believe that we're in right now as the plates are shaking is what I call a season of the remnant. We have to stop worrying about the numbers. Now, what's hard is when you're put in charge of a ministry, someone up the ladder of the hierarchy wants to know the numbers because they still function in this form of ministry. This is how we measure success. Okay? But as ministry leaders, let me just empower you, okay? Success, can, we cannot measure success in numbers right now because you could have 100 young adults at your, at your service one week. The next week, half of them lose their jobs or their spouse loses their job or they quit their job or they never had a job, and now they're moving, okay? So sometimes it's not even the fact that they want to leave. But life circumstances cause them to leave, and so they're a very transient population, and they're gone. We're
2: transitioning to a more relational, based, yes. one-on-one, Yes. just because we don't know what's going yeah. on and everyone's like, we only have about yep. 20 attendees, which, yep. which includes yep. like, the leaders, which Yep.
0: there's seven of them. So. Yep. And so what I, what I would recommend in that situation, stop doing meetings altogether. Or or limit them. You know, you might have to use them. Sometimes meetings are a gateway. You know, like a way to connect with people. But, I mean, this is kind of drastic. But I have to say, if you have twenty hours a week, you're working twenty hours a week. Then spend one hour a week with each of those twenty people that you have. We, we you know. We're, we spread it. Yeah, that's good. And we we had a smaller group discussion type thing this past week, and we used to do prayer partners, and mm-hmm. it works really
2: well because we just talk. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. We are going back to that.
0: Yeah. What we did. In yeah. So we've gone way off on a tangent. So let's get back. Okay, that's a good tangent. Okay, okay. other questions on these kind of differences of, of ministry and church as we're looking to engage them? Here and then we'll go back here. I just want to ask, is this unique to this country or is this Mm-mm. the world? Yeah, it's the interesting thing is that millennials worldwide are much more similar to each other than they are to the older generations in their culture and country. Yeah. yeah go,
1: am I go hearing this correctly that, that they don't care for Group gatherings, fellowship times, things like that. They're not.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, I am I guess I kind of made like a drastic statement there in responding yeah, to her. It depends. It depends. <laughs> they, <laughs> it is.
1: We have, we, we, we ran this multiple times where someone's supposed to be there to help the worship and I'll be like,
2: hey, what's going on? Oh, I got tickets to this thing. So <laughs> my dad's taking me to <laughs> this thing. I love you, bro. I'll
0: be there next week. All right, cool, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I that, process, be, 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 be. Yeah, as my yeah. husband says, your primary, alternate, constituency, and emergency plans <laughs> all have to be in place, yeah, it's right? Not right. But let me respond to that question about the group because they're, they value the group if there's something in it for them in the group, mm-hmm. okay? So here's the things again, because they have so many options. Okay, they're going to choose the things that they feel are investing in them, important Important to them where they can invest and make a contribution or they are being valued. And so, yes, they do small uh, value, small groups. But if it's a small group where you just come in and then there's a leader there who has an agenda and they want to teach you something and they're going to sit there and preach at you for an hour, they are never coming back. So um, but if it's a leader who comes in and says, so tell me what's going on in your life this week and you just care and you listen and you ask questions and you process with them, they'll be back. So it really depends on the type of group when you talk about group interaction. Okay, I want to get to you because you had your hand up. Okay, so you might not be able to
1: answer the question like, in a short amount of time. But so I'm a millennial working with
0: someone, or, you know, my, yep.
1: but me would be someone who has yep. the business. Yep. Is there a way to say to them, like, I need you to understand that, like, not that doesn't, I mean, I understand that the numbers are important, yep. but that saying, like,
0: where going.
1: Or yep. like, is there a way to say that? Sure.
0: Like, I'll give you this. <laughs> give it to them. <laughs> 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 like, like like yeah. And knowing that, yeah. like, yeah, I can't get anyone to commit to anything because yeah. I know why. Like, I get it. Right. I understand it. Right. But at the same day, I've got
1: someone over me who's asking me
0: mm-hmm. about the numbers. and well, Why mm-hmm.
1: aren't you yep. getting more
0: people
1: to volunteer? And all that kind of stuff. Yep. Because yep. we ran into this before, I think,
2: how we approached it, it's just asking to be extremely vulnerable mm-hmm. and be like, can I just be flat out vulnerable with you? You might not like what I'm saying, but I need you to hear it. Because yeah. they do, they need to understand. Because like, I'm kind of the administrative person mm-hmm. with my husband yep. running the show. But, so I deal with the numbers and I deal with like, oh wow, it's the middle of winter we have. Yeah. Our. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but. Which, but part of it, part of it, what I mean, part of it is some, some leaders, you, I think you're, she's right, you need to have a conversation about it. Some leaders are going to be responsive and are going to be like, okay, then we need to reevaluate what, how we measure success, how we're going to be running our ministry. Some of this is that we have to, you know, what you were saying about they call you and they're out. You're like, okay, what's plan B? And it's going to affect this. It's going to affect our presentation, our formality. It's going to affect our program, okay? But sometimes what we've done is we've held that that so sacred, so sacred that we're like, it is the world is falling apart. Our you know so and so didn't show up. Okay, well let's compromise. Let let's adjust then. You have to make it organic, organic, okay? So because if you don't, and they feel like. There's guilt. The relationship's broken. All these things because they prioritize something over the program. Then the program is sacred and they are not important. So, um, so now there's some leaders who are getting this and are starting to change and be adapt. Okay, cool. Ten people. Let's do the ten people. That's the way it's going to work, you know. There's other leaders who are going to dig in their heels and say, we've got to do it the way it's always been done. And what's happening is there's ministries who have a shelf life of ten years. And the leaders who are not going to transition and realize we have to make some adjustments – Those churches and ministries are just, they're not going to be here in 10 years. And so, in some ways, it's going to be a self selecting process, you know? Um, So, it's just, and, and you know, you got to do what you can where you're at. And sometimes you find, some people find themselves working in places where they're like, I know this this ship is sinking. And so I got to jump off, you know, I can't go down with the ship, but sometimes you're called to be somewhere, to be a voice, you know, so for millennials, I'm often encouraging them. You got to be talking, you got to be committed and then know what the Lord's calling you to do. You know, um, you had a question in the back, so. I was going
1: to make a comment. I, I do a lot with the volunteers at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a trustee. I work with
0: youth.
1: I work with the men's ministry, but I think it's hard to get volunteers at any age. Yes. If I'm talking about a 65 year old man mm-hmm. or uh, you know, a 26 year old young guy, it's like, mm-hmm.
0: No yeah. wants to commit, you know?
2: And, no. it's like, and I try so many things. It's like, I'm not talking to your commitment. You yeah. give me one work night. You know, <laughs> and You can just do you what's know, yep. at yes. You can't give me one, you know? Yep. I think what we're saying, though, it's like, it drives me crazy because I'm a planner and I'm a man of mm-hmm. my work. If I say I'm going to be there, yep. I'm going to be there. And it's yep. like you were saying. You get these,
1: all these excuses, of, and I'm like, really? I mean, yeah. The auto show is ten days long. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I yeah. just think, you know, yeah. right, we have got
0: to move forward. But I think
2: I just came to mind when you guys were talking, it's all about relationships. Yeah, it because is. Because if I'm in a relationship with these guys, I don't have to do anything, and they start mm-hmm. texting me yeah. on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, or yeah. I'm or what can I do? And it's like, if I'm in a relationship with them, Absolutely. It's been yeah. been yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. you abs- yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, you had something, then
0: we'll go back to it. Uh, yeah, I just... I- yeah. But
2: I, I, I've kind of found that in that age group, they tend to be more consumers than producers. What do we what, what do,
0: do with that? Um, <laughs> okay, I, I guess a couple of reaction, reactions to that. One is they didn't raise themselves, we raised them. Okay, so we can't blame them if they are consumers and not producers because. They didn't, they didn't choose to be that. That's what they've been taught to be. Okay, so we, we can't blame them for it. Now, this, the second part of that um, is that sometimes it's the structure that causes them to be consumers versus producers. Okay, so like I was working with an organization recently where I met with the millennials and then I met with the, the management. <laughs> oh, so interesting. I love doing this. Okay, so w- what became evident was that the millennials, if they had an idea, it had to get approved five rungs up the ladder, then came back down five with whatever feedback. There is budget, there's not budget, you're empowered to do it, blah, blah, blah. They could have a decision, but if several times they had implemented decisions and got in trouble for not asking if they could implement that decision. And so now, they were here was the staff, all consumers, all consumers, they were done producing. So sometimes what happens is our, our hierarchical, I don't have it on this presentation slide, but our hierarchical structure versus our organic open system way of doing things shuts down their productivity. They want to be able to just be empowered to do things and receive coaching and feedback on it, okay, not just be left to float, but to be given openness to do things. Um, and so sometimes they're... they're they're consumers because we've shut down their productivity. So it's a combination of both things, okay? Um, uh, I was going to say something else on that, and it just slipped my mind. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go ahead and move on a little bit, and we can do some more questions as we go. So how do we effectively engage millennials in ministry? I think we've kind of touched on some of it already. Um, here's a couple of things logistically when we talk basics, okay, structure. Make the application process easy, straightforward, and fast. okay. Sometimes churches have the most arduous application <laughs> process, <laughs> okay? I'm involved with the ministry at my church. I had to email the director three times before I could respond. I was talking to millennials. They have every week in the bulletin, this ministry has a call for volunteers. Every week. I was talking to a couple of millennials who are like, well, I emailed their text them, and I never heard back. If you do not respond with 24 hours, your window has closed. Other opportunities have made themselves available. Okay, so um, I mean, what I what I tell people is, if you get you respond within twenty four hours, and if you can, if you talk to someone in the morning at church on Sunday, and they're interested in text or they're interested in volunteering, you're texting them that afternoon with the information. Okay? I mean, it is not even 24 hours. And if you can text it to them instead of emailing it to them, much, much better. Okay? If you're friends with them on Facebook or Instagram, better yet. Okay? So um, it has the response time has to be easy. Application process cannot be three pages long. I know in some ministries we have to have background checks, which can delay the process. Um, but even explaining that to them. Okay? So, hey, I know you haven't heard back. We're waiting on, that, on the background check. Not, I have checked out, okay? (laughs) Um, And you are not important to me. So communicating and making it as fast and quickly as possible. Online application processes, okay, if possible. So things that they can just even do on their phone versus um, having to fill out a paper thing. Uh, Because you want to hit while the higher, you want to strike while the iron's hot, right? Okay, when they feel the need to respond, you want to be right there responding to them. Um, So... Uh, so they tend to respond to things that tug at them. Okay, millennials make decisions based on experience, emotion, and story, not based on logic and reason. Okay? So as a result, it's usually a story or an experience or an emotion that's driving them to come to you want to volunteer. We all know the how long emotions last, right? <laughs> okay. So we want to make sure that when, they're, when the, something has prompted them and drawn interest from them, We're engaging them, and we're engaging them in that thing that was interesting to them, okay? Because sometimes, too, what we do is someone's like, I just love two-year-olds, okay? I just love them, blah, blah, blah. And then we, we, But we need somebody in fifth grade, so we put them in fifth grade, you know? We're going to lose them. So we need to make sure that we're engaging them where their interest and giftings are. Um, At least if we do have to put them in fifth grade saying, you know, we know you want to be with the two-year-olds, and we're going to get to you there as soon as possible, but... You know, trying to respond as clearly as possible. Clearly communicating their roles and responsibilities. Um, so millennials want to please. They want to please the leaders that they're working with. And often in volunteer positions, things are so... We, we are managing so much, right? Ministry leaders. If you are managing volunteers, you are managing a lot. Because you that means all those volunteers represent all the ministries that you're doing, right? Um, so... Often it's easy to just kind of plug someone into a position without really giving them clear guidelines on what you want from them in that position, or even the fact that you don't know what you want and that they have freedom to do what they want to do, okay? But millennials want to please, they want to feel like they're making good use of their time. So if they're just showing up, but they don't know what to do, then they're not going to be committed because they're going to feel like I could be doing something better with my time. So making sure that we're giving training as well as you know, communicating specifically what we want them to do so that they can be successful in their volunteer position. Providing, I know you said six-month opportunities, but providing one-time or short-term opportunities when possible okay? Because a lot of times we're looking to, you know, do an event or something, we're trying to draw on our volunteer pool, but that might be a good time to just draw, you know, offer a one-time opportunity. People are like, ah, yeah, I'll commit to one time, or I'll commit to, you know, three months or six months instead of a year. So trying to find ways that we can kind of integrate um, those. Um, okay, providing consistent, constructive feedback and affirmation. Um, whew, this is hard too. Managing volunteers. If if you manage volunteers, I think you're the most incredible leader in the world. Okay? Because like you said, all volunteers are hard to manage. And you're managing so many things. So then to try to like provide specific feedback to each volunteer can become really, really um, difficult. But I just encourage you, it can be very, very simple. You know, You just catch someone doing something well or you hear a good comment. I mean, the beautiful thing about technology and millennials is that you can just text it to them. Or send them a Facebook message. Or take a picture of them doing something awesome and post it on Instagram. (laughs) You know, whatever. There's ways to affirm them that are very quick and easy. But they're like, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm getting feedback. Because they're very used to instant feedback on things, right? And so if they volunteer in our ministry for three or four weeks and they never hear from us how we feel that they're doing, it's going to be really, really hard for us to retain them affirming their gifts and making room for them to use them. So again, just recognizing what they're good at and plugging them in, because again, that's that personal touch of, I see you and I'm calling it out of you. Um, I spoke in an earlier session just about identity and how identity is really hard for younger generations. And often what happens is young people don't even understand what they're good at. They don't even know what their gifts are. So one of the things we can really do with our volunteers is when we see a gift in them, calling it out and plugging them into a place where they can use that gift. And in doing so, we're mentoring and developing them, you know, because that's something that's sometimes even hard for them to articulate. Other things that you guys have found logistically that work well with millennials, anything that just has been like this has really worked well.
1: Does one of those work better for
0: millennials yeah. to
1: help
0: them and you mm-hmm. them I mean, my favorite one in ministry context is always going to be StrengthsFinder. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm always going to default to. Because I feel like StrengthsFinder echoes spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. It also caters to the millennial sense of being special. okay? Because it tells you, here's what you're good at, your strengths, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that I love about StrengthsFinder is that there are leadership books that go along with it that tell you how to manage each type of strength. And so when I'm working with someone who I know their strengths and they're struggling or they're disconnecting, I can just pull that off the shelf and review okay, what do I need to do for this particular person to really help motivate them and encourage them. So that's my favorite one for ministry context is strengths finder. Okay. And it's really helpful for me, I have a psychology degree, mm-hmm. it's really helpful for me to understand what everyone is. Yes. So I can love on them. Yep. Because it's the opposite yep. of me. Yep. Yep. And here's another great thing, okay? You provide strength finder training, you provide the assessment and you do training and you do that for your volunteers. That is huge. Young people want to be developed, okay? That's a great way to invest back into them. You know, like if you, I mean, some of them may not commit to show up, but the ones who do, <laughs> okay, you know, we're going to provide for our volunteers a strengths finder, and we're going to do some training, and we're going to develop you. Um, that can be a great way to give back, express appreciation to them because many of them are looking to be developed in some way.
2: I mean, thing is to identify, right, skills and Mhm. Mhm. of them, mm-hmm. the other thing that I have found is to put the challenge yes. to them, so they are engaged, because once mm-hmm. they lose that challenge, yep. they lose interest, yep. so that's why, I mean, they, they mm-hmm. keep coming back, and saying, hey, mm-hmm. I like, mm-hmm. so once they they get, or achieve that challenge, try to find out the next one, mm-hmm. so they continue.
0: Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, managing millennials is very much like parenting or teaching K through 12, you know? (laughs) It's like giving them enough that they feel confident, but then a challenge that they're growing. Um, And here's, I mean, I guess along those lines, one thing, you know, I had someone ask me recently, like, it's really hard to invest into a millennial when I know they're going to be gone in six months or a year. I said, you need to change your thinking, okay? What you have to think about is, I have six months To invest in this millennial before they leave me. And they take whatever I invest in them to the next place. So, what we have to start doing is thinking more kingdom mindedly. I am developing kingdom workers as as millennials. Okay? So, they may not work in my particular field, (laughs) you know, but they're gonna work in the field down the road. And hopefully some millennials that someone's developing down the road will come to you, you know? And so how are we developing them as kingdom workers? And even beginning to view our ministry teams. I mean, my husband does the security, um, the security team at our church, security parking logistics team at our church. Okay, that team, because we live in a military community, he's a special forces officer. Almost, We have like 100, over 100 military families in our community. His team is comprised of all of these, not all, but law enforcement, military, just you know, guys who like to you know, go out and shoot their guns who believe in Second Amendment rights. And, you know, that's his security team. He has, he has young Marines on his team who are suffering from PTSD who don't even like being in crowds. They don't even like being in the sanctuary. You know, But these guys, I mean, they are a team. And they are, I'm like, honey, you have a small group there. This is not a volunteer team. I mean, he has these millennials who are enlisted soldiers who are coming back, disenfranchised, frustrated, blah, blah, blah. But they would never, you would never get them into a small group. But they'll come work on the security team because like they have to wear cool radios and all that. you know, do all that stuff. But he, I, and there's weeks where he's like, oh my goodness, I have one guy and me. So he's at every service because he's like, my entire team just fell apart on me. I said, honey, stop caring. It doesn't matter. There is no imminent threat to the security at our church right at the moment. And if the parking gets all messed up, so what? They'll figure it out. We'll eventually work out the parking traffic mess. And you know what? You are doing ministry. You have to view it as your, this group is ministry. And if the tasks are not getting done, you have guys that are coming to church, and they would never be at church the other way. So how can we make our, and that's why I'm like with your young adults, you have seven leaders showing up. Those seven leaders become your priority. How do we develop these millennials that we have? The remnant, okay? Who are around us right now? How do we develop them while they're here? And then we let them go, you know? And if the programs suffer, they might suffer a little bit, okay? They might suffer a little bit. And so we might have to evaluate, is the presentation the formality and some of the things we're trying to do as essential as developing these these volunteers, okay? Okay. so, oh, I didn't even realize that was my next point. Okay, good, I'm on my next point. Okay, so generally caring about volunteers as people, not just a means to a program, and really training our team leaders to do the same. So how do we invest in them while we have them? Understanding that they are a transient, a transient group. Here's another big one, developing a community on your volunteer team, viewing them as the ministry, not just fulfilling your ministry, but how do you develop a community? Because if if they feel, remember those relationships, the people trump the programs? So if they begin to view the ministry team as a community and the people on that team as important relationships, then if I ditch the team, I'm not ditching the program, I'm ditching the people, right? Right? So team building is a big piece. How do we help foster them connecting, them feeling a sense of connectedness to each other as well as to us as we're leading them? Okay, as leaders, a couple of big things. um, To be authentic, okay, and to to be real, okay? So sometimes what's really okay is to communicate to millennials how how some of these things are making you feel, <laughs> okay? So to be real, like, man, I, I see these giftings in you, blah, 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 and it was really hard for me when you, you know, it's okay to be authentic, not just smiles and giggles all the time, you know, but be authentic um, and be real. Be present, available, and visible. They want to feel like they're connected to you. Often what happens is the ministry leader or the staff member is so busy running around doing things, they're not actually connecting with the volunteers, Okay, so, I mean, I just appreciate so much. We have children's ministry director at our church who runs around like a crazy lady. You know, we have 400 plus kids on a weekend. And I just she will come by the classroom where I'm teaching and just pop and say hi. She'll bring a toy that she saw that she thought my three year olds might like in the middle of running around like a crazy person. She just pops in the classrooms and she's just affirming. Affirming her volunteers in a little ways showing, you are important to me, but she's visible, she's available, she's present. And it just makes such a difference. Okay, and then a big thing is modeling and mentoring our, our volunteers, which again is so hard. But here's a big thing. Okay, You're like, I don't have time to mentor. OK, then model. Then model. Okay, So often what we need to do with young volunteers is explain why we're, you know, we're just used to, we're on a mission. We know what we're doing. We have a plan. We're moving forward. Okay, But they just see us running around. They don't even understand why we're doing what we're doing. So sometimes, this sounds really annoying, it's just narrating what you're doing. (laughs) okay? But kind of just talking, engaging. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this because blah, 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 blah. Why? I'm doing it because of this. So we're modeling. We're also uh, creating a reason behind why some of the things in the ministry is happening the way that's happening. Okay. We have about five minutes. Any other questions, comments, thoughts, things that have worked well that you want to throw out? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, good question. My part is I, mean, I think we gotta talk
2: about you know my part. Yeah. Um what I see an edge at is mm-hmm. an edge between
1: mentoring, investing in people's lives, yep. developing relationships, being
0: authentic. Yep. And almost promoting a narcissism. Yep, absolutely. You want to say oh, oh absolutely, yes. So how do you avoid the seconds? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question and one that comes up regularly because it's like we don't want to allow people who we, I mean, part of it's spiritual growth, right? Everything that we want to do is we want people to grow spiritually. That's why we're doing these programs that we're recruiting volunteers for, right? It's spiritual growth. So to just leave someone in a place where they're maybe not as, you know, in a, not producing as much fruit of the spirit as we would like, you know, is not, that's not our goal either. But some of it is cross-cultural, remember? Okay, so some of this is cross-cultural ministry because millennials are a different culture than we, than the church often functions in. So sometimes we have to meet them where they're at, okay? We have to meet people where they're at when you're doing cross-cultural ministry. So if we never mentor, invest, show that we care about them, it's going to be really hard to ever correct them or to help them grow. We've got to earn that right first. So part of all of this this relational-driven leadership is we have to earn the right to speak into their lives. Once we do that, then, yes, that's where the challenge now comes in, right? Now we start to push back. Okay, now I have a relationship with you. You know me. You know my heart. Uh, when you didn't show up, that really frustrated me, okay? And here's why. Because, you know, and you can start to talk about things like, uh, Self control and discipline and all those things that are godly, you know. Um, but we have to start. So you're right. We don't want to leave people there, but we have to. We have to meet them there, and then we try to bring them forward. Yes, it's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like an
1: opposite question,
0: being like okay. Who also yeah.
1: Really yeah. Yep. And like, I teach uh, preschool and kindergarten. Okay. My passion, my focus, really—that's where my heart's at. Um. I am not as very, like, task-boying. Like, yep. if, if it gets done, it gets done. Cool. But is it, are we taking time to sit down with these three four five four, five-year-olds and talk? You know, for my older generation, it's all about, do they do the coloring page?
0: Yes, I know. So, I know. So, is there a way to <laughs> express
1: to them that older generation of, like, our ministry isn't about the coloring page? It's about talking to three, four, or five girls about Jesus. And they yes. Sure that they, when they leave and then go to the next class, that they know yes. that
0: Jesus love. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Or should I, because like, that's nothing thing too, there are certain tasks that then they're so focused on, like, did they do that part? Yes. Like, would a checklist work best <laughs> to keep to those ones? Yeah,
0: like, yeah, yeah. A checklist that says, uh-huh. talk, to, talk to five <laughs> Let's see how we can quantitatively measure this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, measure, just, yeah. You know, on the checklist
1: put, like, spend five minutes mm-hmm. talking to mm-hmm. the child. Or, you know what I mean? Because, like, what mm-hmm. I like, end up seeing a lot of times just when I'm looking at them, that the teachers will be like, okay, get this coloring page. Yeah. And they'll just look
0: with each other. Yeah. And then oh, they're I not know. even taking that time to then invest <laughs> I know. Yep. <laughs> then, yep. Like, yep. And, and, yeah. And here's where this intergenerational thing. Is so messy and so beautiful at the same time. Because what you're saying, and thank you for bringing this point up, because you're highlighting, we've been talking a little bit about how millennials can be frustrating. But millennials are bringing some beautiful, beautiful things to ministry. Okay? Like, as a mother, I don't care if they do a coloring sheet. I, but I sure do like it when my three-year-olds come home and explain to me the tabernacle, which they did two weeks ago. You know, <laughs> Like, what? I don't even know that. Okay? So you're right. Like That is what's most important. So a lot of it is just having conversations. Okay? So talking about these things. We just have to talk about them. And we have to start, I mean, we start to have to learn from each other. And so as you're leading these older, in some ways, I like your idea of putting it down as this is an expectation. I want you to engage with three kids today. I don't want you talking with other teachers. I want you engaging with kids. And stating that as an expectation of something that is in their job description. And that's a great way of crossing that cultural boundary, boundary and communicating in a way that makes sense to them. You know? So that's great.